You are listening to the Bellator Christi Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. obviously get all the passages of scripture remaining in Acts and we're going to hit a couple of the messages of Paul uh, later on in the book of Acts and try to fill in the gaps so to speak and then uh, finally we'll look at uh, chapter 27 here in a couple of weeks but today I want to talk about the qualities of a godly teacher what we see is that Paul is uh, he's been on a campaign to collect money to take to Jerusalem and so uh, the Spirit of God is calling him to go to Jerusalem, and he, uh, he, he doesn't go straight back to Ephesus, uh, but he's meeting with the Ephesian leaders, the pastors in Ephesus, uh, at this area called Miletus. And so this is the last time he's going to get a chance to see these pastors in Ephesus. So he's given the final address to these individuals. He talks about you're going to see the, the, the past ministry they had together, the current ministry that the Ephesian elders still have, and the future they have. But all throughout this message of Paul, I think that we can find the qualities of a godly teacher, not only someone who is a pastor, not only someone who is a preacher, not only someone who is a teacher, but these are qualities that we all should strive to have in life. And we're going to see six qualities uh, that we're going to find through this passage of Scripture. So we're going to ask everyone, if you can and will, please stand as we pay honor to the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. We're in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. And the word of God reads, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know that the first day I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. We were just talking about finishing the race. It goes hand in hand there. Finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. 
Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when He had said these things, He knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke. And they would see his face, that he, they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. And we just simply ask, Lord, that you would allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken, holding back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it is in the name of the powerful name of Jesus that we ask these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This past week we had a wonderful time in BBS. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is I love the Miller boys. They are just, they just <laughs> they're so sweet. But I got tickled at them because uh, Amanda was, as, as uh, Ashley was saying, she was using the the examples of water and show how it's like the Trinity. And as Ashley just said, that the rock is like God the Father. The, the solid piece of ice is like God the Father. The living water is like Jesus. And comparing gas to the Holy Spirit. And Amanda asked the question, she says, what does gas do? And I don't remember if it was Wes or Eli, but one of the Miller boys says, gas makes you stinky. <laughs> They've been hanging around me a lot, haven't they? <laughs> but uh, I, I love that. I love that. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, gas does have an impact. The Holy Spirit has an impact upon us uh, in life and in ministry. And so obviously, as we do ministry, we need to make sure, maybe not the stinky bar, but make sure that we are Im impacted and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is about to say his final goodbyes to the pastors at Ephesus as he prepares to set sail to Jerusalem. And all this time, he's been collecting money for the poor in Jerusalem because they knew that the people in Jerusalem needed help. They were facing some situations where they needed help. And the Spirit of God was moving him to Jerusalem. So as he gives this final address to the Ephesian pastors, he goes through some traits of his own ministry, defending himself to some degree, but going through and showing the traits of a godly preacher, a godly teacher, and these are traits that we ourselves need to have. So there are two things I want you to take from this message. One, as you're in a transition and you prepare to bring the next person to the pulpit, I want you to be looking for these qualities. Because, beloved, understand, understand this, there are some good preachers out there, but there are also some bad ones. Amen? Amen? And we need to take care, just as Paul says, there are some really good men of God out there, but there are some wolves in sheep's clothing. So I say this as your pastor to you to prepare you for the next phases to look for these qualities. But I also want to give you another application in this. These are qualities that we should all strive to have as Christian believers. Amen? These six qualities are qualities that we should all strive to have. 
And I used the letter P. Well, the first one I couldn't. It's in there. Uh, but uh, I'm going to give you another little word because it's to help me memorize the words I had to go through in line. So anyhow, I'll, I'll move on with it. But the first quality we see is that godly teacher has an unpresuming, there is the P, unpresuming quality. That is that he is humble. We all Christians, all of us as Christians, need to have that humble quality. A quality that doesn't seek to elevate ourselves. A quality that doesn't seek to be seen, but rather to show people the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's what we need to do. I believe there have been some wonderful men of God who've seen some fantastic ministries, who've seen some great things coming to them, but they get a little bit of popularity, they get a little bit of fame, and then they start going down some roads that they shouldn't go. Because they start elevating themselves and they forget about the one that brought them there. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is noted to be a humble person. And he noted, noted this. And I understand Paul taught this. This wouldn't have been recorded if it weren't true. He said, I came to you living among you, serving the Lord with all humility. We need to be humble. And in fact, a lot of times... Uh, you hear people, they want to bring some type of new theology or some type of new idea. I like, uh, I really like uh, the theologian by the name of Thomas Oden. He went to be with the Lord a few years ago. And he says, we need not to focus on some new theology, but on old theology. In fact, they said he even put on his tombstone that he wanted placed upon his tombstone, the epitaph. He really brought no new theology, but focused on the old theology. That was his, that was his point. Classical theology. What does the Bible teach? Let's not try to develop something new. Let's go back to the basics and understand what the Bible says because there's enough truth there that'll do us for a lifetime. But we have to understand, beloved, that there are many people who have ooze with charisma. Now, I'm not one of those. In fact, according to Myers-Briggs personality tests, it tells me I'm basically a dull and dry personality type. An INTJ, I think, is what they call it. So I'm not your flamboyant preacher by any means. But some of the more um, individuals who were desired are the ENTFP, excuse me, ENFP, which are very charismatic individuals. But understand, charisma is a good thing, but charisma can be also very dangerous if it falls in the wrong hands. Jim Jones was a man of great charisma. We all know how that ended, don't we? He convinced intelligent people to drink cyanide and take their lives to drink this juice that he concocted because of the charisma that he had. The list goes on and on. David Koretz, you could list many other people into that category that have coerced people to do some outlandish things simply because they had charisma. Beloved, understand that charisma is good, but if charisma seeks to elevate oneself over God, it becomes a very dangerous thing indeed. And so we must take care of that. In fact, we need to stay humble in everything that we do and say. Because when we realize that we don't save ourselves, that our salvation comes not by what has happened to us, not by what we do, but by what He has done for us, then we have every reason to remain humble. Because we can't save ourselves. It's not about us. It's all about Him. So a godly teacher, a godly Christian has a humble quality. But secondly, a godly teacher has a principled quality. That is that they tell the truth. And Paul, we see in verses 20 and 21, he says, listen, I held back nothing. 
I held back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, I'm not saying, now when I say this, I'm not saying to be ugly about it, but I love people that will tell me the truth. Amen? I love people that will be honest with me. Now, have you ever seen someone, in fact, I've been in the doctor's office before, and they'll beat around the bush. I have had some wonderful doctors, but I've had some before that maybe you go in for an issue, and they'll beat around the bush, and they'll, you know, they won't, they don't want to quite get to it. I'm kind of like, just tell me what I have and what I need to have, what I need to do. Just get to the point. Be blunt with me. What's going on here? I mean, there is such a thing as bedside manner, I know, but just be honest with me. We need honesty, and unfortunately, in today's time. We often have individuals that want to tickle our ears and tell us things to make us feel good about ourselves, but let's be truthful. If we want to see reconciliation in our lives, if we want to have true joy in our lives, we must be willing to confront the issues that face us. Amen? There are many people that will hide behind a bottle or hide behind some type of drug because they don't want to deal with an issue that they're facing in life. But you know what happens? Whenever someone lives a life like that, they're only going to amplify things and make things worse because those problems are still there when they come out of that drug-induced stupor. We need honesty today, amen? We need honesty and we need to hear the truth. In fact, you know, a lot of times we don't want to hear the truth, but again, it's to our own detriment. That's the way I was when I went to the doctor. My doctor had for years told me, Brian, you need to be on blood pressure medicine. You have high blood pressure, you need on blood pressure medicine. I said, no, I'm not going on that mess. I don't want anything to do with that mess. I said, I'm, I'll try to do it on my own. So I tried to do it on my own, but I like hamburgers too much, and I like hot dogs too much, and I like all these other things too much. And one day I went to the eye doctor, and he noticed that I had a blood vessel that had burst in one of my eyes and said, you either have diabetes or you have high blood pressure. You need to see a doctor immediately. And I went to the doctor, and my blood pressure was out the roof. She put me on blood pressure medicine, and I haven't had a problem with that since, knock on wood. But here's the thing. I didn't want to hear the truth, but when I finally embraced the truth, I found reconciliation in my life. We need to be truthful, amen? We don't need to tickle one's ears. We need to tell the truth from God's Word. We need to have a biblical perspective and be willing to change our understanding even if, if our understanding is outside of the biblical text. Number three. A godly teacher has a power that is a spirit-driven quality. In verses 22 through 25, Paul noted that the Holy Spirit was driving him to Jerusalem. I don't know that Paul necessarily wanted to go to Jerusalem, but he was being led and compelled to go to Jerusalem. He, was, he realized that if he was going to be effective as a man of God, he must be driven by the Holy Spirit of God. And the same is true for all of us. Amen? It's not about what we want. It's not about what we desire. If we're going to have an effective ministry, if we're going to be effective as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit and we must follow in line with what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. In fact, I was talking about this. Uh, Dr. Purser said in the last class I took, he said, 
a lot of times, you notice, he said, you notice how busy we keep ourselves? We have a lot of noise around us. He says, I really believe that the reason we have so much noise around us is because we really don't want to hear from God. Because it's in those quiet moments that God may speak to us in that still small voice. In fact, he even told a story. He did his PhD work at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. And he had a friend of his who did everything he could to, to stay busy. And he asked, why do you do this? He says, because I, that way I don't hear from God. Because I may not want to know what God is leading me to do. I may not want to know what God is telling me. But if we're going to be empowered Christians, if we're going to be effective Christians, we must be spirit-driven in all that the Lord leads us to do. Number four, a godly teacher, a godly Christian, has a protective or a pastoral quality. Notice in verses 27 through 31 that he warned them, and I would warn you too, that there are individuals who will try to tear apart a church. Amen? Amen? There are individuals who do not come seeking to serve the Lord, but there are individuals who come to tear churches apart. Now, I believe that we have some good people here at Huntsville Baptist Church, but I'm just saying as a general rule, not everybody who says that they're a Christian really is. Amen? And not everybody who comes to church really is a genuine believer in Christ Jesus. So we have to understand, we have to understand that we must be protective of our church. We must be protective of the church and we must understand that there are individuals who don't seek the will of the Lord. There are individuals who will try to come in and will try to rip churches apart and we must be protective over that very issue. Holding everything up to the Word of God. Being filled by the Holy Spirit of God. Beloved, there are some dangerous people out in the world today. Amen? In fact, I went to, whenever I was working the school system, at Angie School back there, Fall Creek, I went with a group of kids. They had a reward program uh, where uh, they took the kids the first, after the first school year to Barnes & Noble. And I remember, I can't think of the guidance counselor's name who was there at that time, but we all took the kids, I drove the bus, we all took the kids to Barnes & Noble. And I got to noticing as the kids were in different areas, there was this man, this, this creepy looking fellow that was following along the, the young ladies. That, that, at this time, it was before they separated middle school and elementary school. So it was all together from kid, was it, first grade to eighth grade, I think it was. But there was this creepy guy that was following around the girls. Everywhere they went, there was this creepy guy following around. And so I kind of started following this guy around. <laughs> And so I told the guidance counselor, and she started following this guy around. And before we knew it, we contacted the, uh, the, the uh, store itself, and they had people looking at this guy. Once that guy realized that we were watching him, he went out the door as quick as a whistle. Now, what was he trying to do? I don't know. But all I do know is that there are some creepy people out there. And beloved, understand this. There will be individuals, just as there are individuals who seek to do people harm on the outside of the church, there are individuals who would try to do harm inside the church as well. So be protective. Stay pastoral. Be protective. And, let, and fifthly, we see that a godly teacher, all right, I'm going to throw this word out there, philanthropic, okay, again, I had to keep the P's going, but let's just say selfless quality. Now, this, this passage of Scripture, is, it needs a little bit of explanation because you have done a great job. You've done wonderful by us. Uh, this has been a full-time position. We thank the Lord for it. But I want, to, I want to dissect this passage of Scripture a little bit because Paul in Ephesus worked as a tent maker. 
Okay? And so a lot of times, if we're careful, we don't see the context of what this, this thing says. So I'm going to say to you what the text doesn't say and what the text does say. Now, some people will take this passage of Scripture and will say, well, that a church shouldn't pay the pastor. Well, praise the Lord, I can tell you that's not the truth. Amen? <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be hurting. Okay, but so we see that Scripture tells us that pastors should be paid. And here's the reason why. Jesus says in Luke 22, verses 35 through 36, When I sent you out without money bag, traveling bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Not a thing. Then he says, But now whoever has a money bag should take it, and also a traveling bag. And whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. Meaning, I believe that it's okay to protect yourself. I think that's a scriptural precedent for that. In this passage, Jesus also says that the apostles should be prepared for these things. But he goes also in Matthew 10, 10 to say, Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his food. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 17-18, that the elders who were good leaders are to be considered worthy of double, double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching, for the scripture says, do not muzzle the knots while it's trading out the grain, and the worker is worthy of his wage, quoting from Jesus. Paul also states in 1 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14, he says, don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the offering of the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. The very same Paul we're reading about here in some places took wages where the churches could do that. But not every place could do that. So that's what the text does not say. The text is not saying that the pastor shouldn't be paid. But what the text is saying is very simple. That a man of God should not be greedy. Amen? And we as a people of God should not be greedy. Because Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. The love of money we hear about in Scripture is the root of all kinds of evil. Amen? Yes. So we need to be humble. We need as individuals not to be consumed with greed, because if we're consumed with greed, how much is ever enough? That's a big question to ask. How much is ever enough? And I, I pick on this guy because they're so outlandish. I think of Cleflo Dollar. I'm sure you've heard of this. I'm, I've probably mentioned this more times than we need to. But you remember this story. He wanted his church and he wanted the community to raise up enough money for him to have a Gulfstream G650, a, an exclusive jet that some CEOs can't even afford. This thing is counted as being around $65 million. Why in the world did he need a $65 million jet? Well, quite honestly, he didn't. Amen? He didn't. He could simply buy a, a, a boarding pass at a local airline and fly that way. Amen, guys? He could fly the local airline. He did not need a $65 million jet. That's what the passage is talking about. We don't need to be greedy. So last but certainly not least, a godly teacher also has a prayerful quality. In verses 36 through 38, we see that as before they get ready to exit, they bow together in prayer. They all come together in prayer and realize the power that prayer has in ministry. Beloved, we have a powerful tool awaiting us. 
A powerful tool in prayer. Without prayer, ministry is impossible. But with prayer, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. I'm sure some of these Ephesian leaders were wondering, what are we going to do? We've lost Paul. So they bowed together in prayer. But you know, God heard their prayer. Church historians, early church historians tell us that they received another leader, a wonderful leader, who does some great things in the church of Ephesus. Do you know who this guy was? The Apostle John. He came a few years afterwards and became their pastor. And you know what happened there? From Ephesus, he wrote the Gospel of John and the three letters are most likely addressed to this very same church. So understand, with prayer, God can do some wonderful things. And we had evidence of that just this past week, did we not? Did not Ashley stand up here praying for rain? We even sang showers of blessing and what happened? We had a monsoon outside, amen? We had a monsoon, which I'm still saying that scares me a little bit. That's some power right there. <laughs> but we, God hears our prayers, and if He can do that for rain, He can do that with anything. Let me close with this. You all know the story of the 13 young men who were caught in the cave in Thailand. And the whole expedition, the, the rescue of, of, of just one would have been a miracle. But that all 13 were saved. Was, was tremendous, beyond words. In an interview that happened with uh, one of the divers, Rick Stanton, he talked about the moment they found the boys alive. He says, when we departed, all we could think about was how we were going to get them out. They were focused, fortunate, and ultimately successful. Another guy says, just getting any one of them out alive would have been a miracle, but to get 13 out of 13 won't happen again. They asked these guys, are they heroes? And they said, no. We're just using the very unique skill set which we would normally use for our own interests. And sometimes we're able to use that to give back to the community. If God can take those individuals to do a great work, I don't know about their spiritual life. I don't know if they were believers or not. But I'm just saying if God can use them to rescue 13 boys out of a cave in a miraculous fashion, don't you think that He can do even far greater things with those who were sold out to Him wanting to do His will. So my prayer is that we'll all try to exhibit these six characteristics that we learn about here that will we'll, we'll show and demonstrate the glory of Christ living in us and working through us and do great things for His glory that can only be accomplished through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to simply invite you to come down and receive Him before it's eternally too late. You may not get another chance to make things right with Him. Or maybe you're here today and maybe God is calling you to do something, but you're not sure exactly what it is He's calling you to do. Maybe you want to come down and ask the Lord for guidance. Or maybe you want to simply come down and join the membership of this church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and in your life, we just encourage you to come and respond according to the Holy Spirit's call. Kind of gracious Heavenly Father, as we're together here, Lord, this morning, getting ready to partake of the communion here in just a few moments, we just ask, Lord, that you would have your will and your way in this time of invitation. Lord, help us all to strive to, to demonstrate these characteristics that we learned about this morning. So that other people can see you living in us, that we would all bear the fruit that you so desire us. Lord, again, we just ask you to be
The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Crucified.